but we really got to work on our transition music, don't we? It was, uh, <laughs> it's good to have you. We just want to remind you we're humans and we're just rolling along, trusting the Lord, just like you. Um, well, it is, uh, it is good to be with you. And again, as I said earlier, I, I really do love baptisms. Um, it's that and the baby dedications. Those are like my two favorite things to do as a pastor. <clears throat> um, and I just want to say a, it's a special, uh, just a welcome and just congratulate you guys. And it's just, um, it's a privilege to be a part of this day as you guys uh, make this public uh, profession in front of everybody. So thanks for sharing that with us. Um, today we're gonna start a series called Our House. And again, it's, it's gonna be, uh, we're just gonna spend the first few weeks of the year really kind of digging into some things that are be gonna become very foundational and very um, key to our life here at Long Grove Community Church. And as we do, um, you know, I just want you as well to be thinking and kind of be processing and be absorbing because each of you are what make this church the church. You know, together as we're gathered, we are the church here. It's not the structure. It's not um, you know, the, the stuff. It's, it's who we are as we gather together. We are the church. Um, as many of you know, I grew up uh, in Michigan and much like, very similar to here, whenever you go kind of out a little bit, north, south, west, anywhere outside of really Chicago, <clears throat> things open up very quickly, don't they? It's very wide open, there's lots of farm fields, and you know, uh, we just drove to, to Minnesota to see my brother, to visit with him over uh, the new year, and you know, same thing there, you know, you're driving and it's just as far as you can see these farm fields, and again, wintertime, they're pretty, pretty desolate. But when there's crop growing, and I remember, you know, I grew up and the way it was set up, you know, it was kind of in square miles and the houses would sort of be on the fringe with like basically farm fields in the middle, you know. And so it was a very significant amount of, of farm field. And so we grew up, you know, we were, were riding bikes, running through corn stalks, you know, climbing trees and all those things you can't do anymore, right? Because we'll get something. <laughs> so... Um, you know, doing that, though, and being in those fields and just kind of uh, just sort of taking it in, uh, it was just such a it seems so much bigger. If I go back now as an adult, it's it's a little it's a little smaller. But uh, there was just something significant. And again, seeing especially when the corn was planted and just how you couldn't see that far because it was just so vast and so tall, especially to a, to a young boy um, in the Bible, you know, we see. Oftentimes, uh, you know, Jesus referred to a harvest, and, and for them, it's oftentimes talking about a wheat harvest, right, and wheat fields, and, and again, those, those are equally expansive. And uh, the, the significance, though, is when, when it comes to harvest time, and it was always fascinating to me growing up uh, when, it, when you would start to see, because that was the best part, because you start to see these huge tractors and the, all this equipment come out, and it would just be from, you know, morning to late at night, and because they have to, you know, recognize that, that they have to get this, this harvest brought in before winter, right? And so they would work and work and work. And, you know, again, all of this equipment. And, you know, through the, the, the decades, through the years, I mean, I mean, farming, it's changed quite a bit, you know, because of the equipment and the technology. You know, they even use drones now and airplanes <clears throat> to see the crops, to take a look at them and things like that. But what I found is that even today, in, in our time now, especially when it comes to the wheat fields, that a farmer <clears throat> will still walk out and walk through to examine the wheat. 
because there's something you can't do just by looking at a screen or using technology. He, he walks through and he, <clears throat> he has to take it and he, he puts it in his hand and he kind of, he kind of crumbles it and, and pushes it around and, 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 and he can look at the seed and tell if it's ready for harvest. He has to put his hands on it, right? He can't just, you know, read about it or ask somebody, but he has to see it for himself. And, you know, it's important to him, right? For a farmer, the crop is of great value and he, he has to use, he or she has to use the wisdom acquired over the years in the well-trained eye to examine the health of the crop and, and when the right time for harvest is. Because it's that balance, right? It's, it's they, they want to bring in the most uh, uh, harvest they can, but they know if they wait too long, you can, you can lose the harvest. And so there's a significance there. And, and what I want, the reason I share all this is, I'm, I'm sure there's not a ton of farmers in here, maybe there's a few, but is because I want this image in your mind. I want this image in your mind as we approach our text for this morning and as we begin this series, um, you know, talking about our house. The picture is, you're going to hear from Jesus this morning, from the Word, and as, he, as, as he's sharing in this, the passage that we're going to be in, in the book of Matthew, I want, to, I want you to kind of picture just like that farmer walking through the field, examining his crop, being in the field, looking at the harvest. And in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35, um, is where we'll, we'll jump in. And again, this is more than just uh, like a, a series, if you will. This, this is kind of trajectory for us this year. Last, last week I shared some things, but, but this week, I, you know, I wanted to make sure as many as possible, and we're online this week, which we welcome everybody joining us there but this is kind of going to set our trajectory, where we're headed as a church. And in, in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the fact that we, get, we got to start at such a high point, Lord God, with, with these four beautiful baptisms. God, I thank you for each one that, that made that decision, Lord, this morning and, and um, just made that public proclamation. God, that you would just draw close to them, that you would strengthen them. God, is again, just so much can come against us, especially uh, when we begin our journey with you. And God, you are gracious and good to protect us and, and hedge us in, Lord God. But I thank you, Lord, that we as the body of Christ will gather around these four beautiful people and God, we will walk with them, we will help them to grow in their understanding and knowledge of you to become mature believers. And God, one day, Lord, I pray that, that they will be able to smile as, as someone maybe that, that you've used them to lead to the Lord or comes in. And God, they are able to be baptized. And God, we just thank you again for that um, just beautiful moment we got to share together. God, I ask you to bless this time, our, the word, Lord, that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, you know, my wife and I, we've been married for uh, just over 20 years now, and I remember uh, while we were living overseas, and well, I mean, it started before that, we started adding um, children to our family, you know, 
um, and they continue to show up, it seems like, uh, for some reason. So we have four now. But the interesting thing about kids, uh, when you're, you, know, you have a home, and you know, we always wanted to be a place, we wanted our home to be a place where other kids wanted to come. You know, we, we're not trying to be cool parents necessarily, even though we are, but uh, we, we wanted to create a space where kids would want to be in our home with our kids. Uh, it's just, you know, we like to keep an eye on our kids, but also just, you know, we want a safe space for any child. But with that comes uh, an in interesting nuance, if you will. Um, and you realize very quickly that not all, all people's homes have the same rules. Okay? And so I, I recall, you know, like we would have friends over, you know, and sometimes it would be families that we were friends with and they had kids. And we get everybody over to the house and, you know... Next thing you know, like, you know, little Bobby's, you know, doing like backflips off the side of my couch onto my coffee table and, you know, running through and, you know, doing a, a, a backflip onto my dining room table, running across. And you're kind of sitting there like, you know, looking at the parents and sort of like, you know, like, is this, is this normal? You know, like, I, I don't know, you know. And the funny part is, is for some of our friends, it was actually pretty normal. You go to their house and you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's a gymnastics class. I didn't know. Um, and so, but when they come in, they, they, and it's hard, and, and you know, I watched my kids, especially when they were younger, trying to kind of process, because they know our rules. They know our guidelines, kind of, this is how we do things in our house. This is what's okay. This is what's not okay, you know. And, and so they're trying to process, and sometimes they would get caught up in the moment and choose to follow <clears throat> their friends, which my wife and I would lovingly, you know, help to, to bring them back, have a conversation, and give them a look <laughs> that they only they knew, and they're like, okay, come on back. And so, but there, there, were, there, were, there, were, there were things in our house, there were, there were rhythms, or there was, you know, there was a way that we did things. And, and oftentimes the phrase, you know, we might say, well, not in this house or not in our house, that's not what we're going to do. And again, if maybe, I'm not saying all that was wrong, and if it's, it's in their parents and they allow that, well, then God bless you, you know, that's, that's, that's your decision. But, you know, we didn't just have rules, but we had also principles as well in our home. And we do still. And we have morals and we have values that basically the house begins to run on, right? The house kind of like the, the kids know, we find that rhythm and we know, the kids know, our family knows. This is sort of how we function. This is how we operate. This is what's going to kind of be important. This is what's not. This is how this is done. This is how that's done. So... That's kind of, you know, what we're, this, 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 ser this series, our house is, you know, in our church, in this, this, this church here, the, you know, we're small C right now, not the global church, but here in Long Grove, Long Grove Community Church, what is Long Grove Community Church going to be all about? A question, a few questions for you, you know, what will define us as a congregation? And of course, you know, the answer, you know, Jesus, letter C, you know, of course, that's, that's, Jesus is what we're all about. But again, as you go to, to many different churches, many churches that, again, where Jesus truly is the center of that church, and that is the primary function, but for every setting, wherever you are in the world, the church has to adapt and, and figure out what is the best way to engage the people and the culture around us without losing the essence of the gospel and who Jesus is. There are, of course, those non-negotiables that we, we do not you know, change and that is, that is the same in any church that is truly a church uh, centered around Christ. But who, who, who will we be? 
And an even more pointed question maybe is, is what will define you as part of this congregation? Because we have to remember, church, that we together make up the body of Christ. Right? You never walk out and you don't see a pinky walking by. You don't see an elbow over here, you know, a big toe over there. Because we have to gather together and we have to work together to move and to, to accomplish what God has set before us. You bring a gift. You bring something to this body that would be missing if you were not here. Or would have to be replaced, that God would have to replace through someone else. And again, in our culture, and as a Western culture, we are very individual-minded, right? We don't always do the best job to understand how our decisions and how our choices affect other people around us, especially those we love. Let me put it a different way. Also, some of our indecisions affect those around us and those whom we love. And so you have a part here. You have a, a, a place here. And so regardless of the answer to, to those questions, what I want us to drill down this morning is that if it doesn't come from a deep place of love and affection, we will be less than authentic. Meaning, again, we can say the things that we say. We can say, yes, we're passionate about reaching the lost. Yes, we want to share the gospel. Yes, we want to see people come to Christ. Yes, we want to see more baptisms. And I don't think there's most churches you go into would never deny that. But the question is, as, as you know, and I would tie this to probably how maybe parents live before their children when their parents put on a front outside in public, but when you go home, it's a very different story. I grew up in a home where we were lined up on Sunday and we were the, the all-star model family because we were all there lined up. You know, mom played the organ, dad taught Sunday school, but our home life was very different. I, I don't remember, I, it's easier to remember the days my mom and dad didn't scream at each other. But on Sundays, there we were, smiling, saying the things we're supposed to say, doing the things we're supposed to do, getting the gold stars for Sunday school attendance. But at home, it was lived out very different. It's authenticity. And for us as a body of Christ, my, my question to you and, and, and what I want us to kind of dig into is, 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 do you truly have a heart of compassion to reach the lost? Do you truly have the heart that we see Jesus being, putting out here as, as we're going to dive here in, in here a little deeper or have you been in the church so long that you just know what to say and do and it looks right? You know, one of the things I, I think of often is, is uh, Cain and Abel. And again, one of the things I see from that account is that they both brought an offering to the Lord. But what I, what I believe is part of that and one of the problems that Jesus had with Cain's offering was that his, his heart was not tied to it. His heart was not in it. It's just like if you give money to this church. That's why we try to pause during a service and during worship because you need to, it can't just be coming out of your account automatically. <laughs> you know, that's convenient and that's fine and, and that still counts, if you will. But if, if, if you're not giving from your heart, if you're, if you're not connected to it, where you're giving with a heart of worship, then you're missing the whole point. <laughs> You're not getting a gold star in heaven just because you're dropping cash in an offering plate or at the church. 
Where's your heart? And hopefully it is still connected. And so as we, we look at this message today, as we begin this journey over the next few weeks in this series, is that Jesus here, his, the most important thing or one of the most important things he's trying to do is to stir his followers in them, to stir in them a compassionate love for others, to see the world around them. And then he calls them to share his truth with the world, to share the good news. And again, church, we, if, we don't be, if we're not careful, we can get so busy with doing really good things that we miss the people that are hurting and dying all around us every single day. And so we need to come back to this place of, of, again, what we see Jesus here. And so, again, coming back to chapter 9, verse 35, and it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. This picture in Jesus, what is Jesus doing here? He's walking his fields. Just like that picture of that farmer and, and, and the time for harvest. And Jesus here is walking. That's what I love about Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus. You? I, I hope so. What I love about Jesus is, is he's, he's real. He's authentic. He's God. He has every right to sit on his throne and kick his feet up and just rule and do whatever he wants. But he comes to earth and he's walking amongst the people and he sees their pain. And instead of seeing them and just being like, oh, well, I'm God. It doesn't affect me. He has compassion for them. Because he sees them. And I believe that goes much further than just, hey, I see you. It's a much deeper level. He feels their pain. The first verse that probably most kids memorize in Scripture when they're being challenged in Sunday school is Jesus wept, right? Because that counts. <laughs> it's short, but it's powerful. When we see in Scripture that Jesus, the Son of God, weeps because of his pain and what he feels for the people. And so here we see Jesus walking his fields, going through the cities, teaching in the city synagogues. And what was he doing? He was telling the good news. He was, he was sharing the gospel message. He is the gospel. But he's sharing it with the people. As well as meeting many of their physical needs as well. Let me give you a... Just kind of cut to the chase here a little bit. We're called to do the exact same thing today. We have to be so careful not to pull back and not to insulate ourselves so much or just kind of be in our groove or here's, here's the new one, I think, the days that we're living in. You know, well, you know, you can't, I can't just share Jesus with everybody. What will they think? <laughs> I might offend them. Right? Our culture today. And listen, I, you know, I'm not talking necessarily, I'm not, I mean, if that, if that floats your boat, you know, if you want to jump up on the, you know, the table, you know, your office desk at work and, you know, start preaching, go for it. I, I really want to hear what happens. But, um, but if God tells you to do that, you should be faithful. But, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, are we just looking for our simple every day-to-day -day interactions with people? Do you know why? Jesus, what does Jesus do? He ministers to people in their pain, doesn't he? 
But the way he's able to do that is because he recognizes that there is pain there, that there is suffering, that there is hurting. And so he puts himself into that situation and he's able to minister. And so for us as believers, we need to be looking for those same opportunities and you don't have to look far. Most people around us, a lot of them are hurting. A lot of people probably in this room are, are hurting somehow, some way today. And so, again, recognizing and learning from what Jesus is sending out here as we saw him. Again, I love that picture of walking his fields, looking at the harvests and understanding it and, and seeing, again, the fact that we are called to do the same. We are called to reach the lost with the good news. That's what we call evangelism. You know, we, we, are, we take the good news, we share it. And again, you don't have to do a dump truck dump on somebody, right? I'm not saying that. Just share, share your testimony. Walk them in to, this, to who Jesus is. Give God a chance. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit will meet you in those moments. You, may not, you don't have to be the most eloquent. You don't have to, well, I just don't know if I could. Okay, just, just step out and watch what God does. In his weakness, we are made strong. Continuing on in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, Jesus sees the crowds. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw them. And then in verse 37 and 38, and again, I think many of us know this passage so well but it bears so much weight and so much truth that I believe it's a great place for us to start today. And he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It says that the harvest is what? The harvest is plentiful. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who, to, who I should share with. <laughs> Our harvest is plentiful today, church. It's plentiful. There's, there are people all around. And again, we, 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 only, we only have, it seems like, what Jesus is getting at here. And I think today, there's only a few people working the harvest. And Jesus is calling the disciples. He's challenging them. We need laborers. And, you know, again, it says there that we are to, to pray what? Earnestly. So we begin in prayer. How many were here last week? A few? Yeah, okay. What was the challenge for the year last week? Somebody get a, get a gold star for today. Tell somebody. Pray for one person. Who's your one person this year? I'm not asking you to pray for 365 people. I'm not asking you to pray for 12 people. Who's your one person that you will pray for this year? That they would come to know the Lord and, and how God can use you perhaps to reach that person. We need to pray. We need to pray. And you need to be lifting up that person often and asking God, Lord, send people to them. Send me. Show me how to reach them. But here's, the, here's, here's something I want to point out, and it's very significant in this passage. Who sends out the laborers? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. You see, the Lord is the one that commissions people. The Lord is the one that calls people and, and brings them out into his field. And so, again, that's, 
that should be like a relief to us, right? It doesn't mean that we don't have to go because he might be calling you. And, and can I just break it to you? <laughs> he is. <laughs> he wants you to, to go into the, wherever you're at. I think most of us think that, well, you know, if God calls me, it's going to be to the other side of the, the planet, into a, a foreign country somewhere as a missionary. And, you know, no, God's calling you just to, to walk next door, talk to your neighbor. <laughs> and so, but he is the one, it is, it is his harvest. He is the one that sends out laborers. And so, again, we begin, we pray, and then we, we open ourselves up to the fact that God may call you. He may put somebody in your path, on your radar. And here's the question. There are two types of sin, right? There's sins of commission and omission. Commission is when we choose to sin, when we do something that is wrong. And those are pretty easy as far as to recognize. We typically do pretty well. But there's another type of sin that's a little more slippery, a little more slick. And it's this. It's the sin of omission, meaning when somebody tells you something to do and you kind of just don't do it. Right? It's a little easier to kind of slide on that. Well, I didn't go out and do this. No. <laughs> but you were, God told you to go do this and you chose not to which is equally sin. <laughs> and so, again, if God is calling you to that and calling us to be obedient, then we need to step into that. Where do potential laborers come from? It's through evangelism. This is, we share the gospel. That's how we bring laborers on board, so to speak, right? It's the new hire on the, the farm, so to speak. And we have to go out and we have to labor. Uh, we have to go out and find laborers and bring them in through evangelism. And then we train them up as new believers we, to become laborers themselves. That's discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship. And again, I want to be clear. Most churches are going to say that they do this. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily even criticizing them because I think in their heart of hearts they really believe they do. But if this isn't woven through every single aspect of this church, every area of ministry... I was just talking to someone this morning, you know, the significance of, 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 of stirring this, this idea of evangelism, the, the necessity, because that's what disciples of Christ are supposed to do, is reach the lost. But it has to be, we can't like have children's ministry and women's ministry and men's ministry, and then here's the evangelism ministry and those that are interested. No, we, that has to be all throughout everything we do in this church, every area. For some of you, I'm, I've blown your mind, I know. <laughs> But stick around, and we're going to walk with you, and we're going to walk together, and we're going to watch what God does when just a few faithful people put their head down, start praying and asking God to bring us the lost and to equip us and to give us opportunity to truly change the world right where we are. Watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. I'm going to kind of, we're going to kind of wrap things up here a little bit, and, and we, are, um, we are going to take communion this morning but as we kind of just bring all this in, I want us to, to remember that sharing the good news is, is really what we are supposed to be all about. And we should be ready, even expecting a response when we share with someone. And I, I really try to stop. Let me just, let me just back up. As, as your pastor, I, I want to stand here. I want you to understand something. You think it's hard for you to evangelize somebody. Try being a pastor. Four of you got that. Listen, it's like having the plague. 
right? When I walk up to somebody and, hey, man, how's it going? We're all talking and kind of, you know, everything's cool. We're good. It's, it's all casual and everything else. Yeah, you know, so how's it going? Yeah, good. Yeah, you know, maybe it's a neighbor. We're talking. Everything's great. It's beautiful. You know, we're, we're having this moment. You know, we figure out our handshake and stuff. We're good. And then, you know, yeah, what do you do? Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a mechanic, da, 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 this and that and stuff. And oh, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, Oh, I think I got to get going. My, I got a, a pot, you know, in the, in the kitchen with a roast in there going. Yeah, mechanic kind of roast, right? So it's, it's hard. But let me just tell you that as your pastor, <laughs> I'm doing my best to go, you know, I'm in coffee shops and I'm just building relationships and they know I'm a pastor and it takes time. And, you know, they just have to seal that, that I'm not just somebody that stands up here on Sundays and speaks, but I'm a real person. I'm a person that makes mistakes. I'm a person that needs a savior just like they are. I didn't come out of the womb like this. <laughs> I'm walking out my faith just the same as all of you. And I'll just be honest, I mean, evangelism is not my gifting. But as a follower of Christ, I'm supposed to do it. <laughs> and so I'm doing my best, and I'm trusting the Lord. And I've shared some of the stories when I was in the military and, you know, sitting with guys. And it's just, it's so beautiful when you step into that moment and God meets you and does something incredible. And you walk away from that like, well, <laughs> I don't know what just happened, but that was really great. And I know that I didn't do it. Give God a chance. And I mean that. Step into that moment and watch what God does. And again, you're going to have some bad experiences. Trust me, they're going to, you know, they don't want to hear what you have to say. And that's okay. Jesus did too, if it makes you feel better. <laughs> he, he says, shake off the dust off your sandal and you move on from that town. You know, there were places that he couldn't even reach because they didn't want to hear it. I'm so far off my notes right now. I'm just going to try to dial it down here so we get out of here at a decent time. Listen. There's no perfect model or method to reach the lost. There, there isn't. I mean, you, you, you'll talk to people, this is the, the way you need to do it, this is the way you need to do it, this is how I do it. Well, that's great. But the, the, the thing is this, but we, we, there may not be perfect, any perfect model or method, but we serve a perfect God who has promised to empower us in those moments of sharing our faith. J.I. Packer, he says this, there are in fact two motives that should spur us constantly to evangelize. The first is love for God and concern for his glory. That's where it all starts, and that's what I said. If, is your heart in the right place? Do you love the Lord? <laughs> or do we just do the lip service? So we have to love the Lord, and he goes on from there. The second is love for man and concern for his welfare. That's what it comes down to, loving God and loving others. Over the next three weeks of this series, we're going to explore three key essentials that our house, if you will, this house, LGCC, Long Grove Community Church, this is what we will run on. It's The first is, is cause. And again, they all have to start with C because that's what we do. But it's cause. And that's our, what is our focused mission and vision? What are we doing? What's important to us? What does a win look like for this congregation? Is it just getting everybody in here on a Sunday morning and you know, not having anybody slip and fall or anything and we leave? Or what's the win look like? Cause. The second is community. 
spiritual and relational vitality. Who are we doing it with and who are we doing it for? And lastly, we would call it configuration. This, this is kind of the functional ministry structures, the way we will accomplish all that we're setting out to do. We see it all, even throughout the scripture, you know, there, as things grow and even with, a, with a, a congregation this size, we have to have kind of some structure underneath. Otherwise, we all kind of just float around and, you know, we have some winds here and there. But how do we all get so that we're moving the same way? Have, have you ever seen um, a fleet of, of, of Navy ships moving across the ocean? It's one of the most amazing things because you see like all of these ships and they're all spaced, you know, the aircraft carriers in the middle and you've got all the ships, the battleship, the destroyer, all these things around them. But they're, what are they doing? They're all moving in the same direction, aren't they? They all have different purposes, different functions, different roles, but they all know where the destination is going to be and the path on how to get there. And so we as a church, we are going to begin to, to, to build in clarity. And so wherever you're at this morning, whether you are far away from like, I could never, ever talk to anybody about the Lord. And if you're sincere about that, and you sincerely are a follower of Christ, listen, I'm, we're not going to make fun of you. You're in good company. We want to help. We want to walk you in. And we're going to share our stories together. We're, you're going to start hearing more stories when people share with somebody. You're going to start hearing them on Sunday mornings even. And there's going to be some that don't go well. But we're also going to have some wins. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. And so, again, we're going to be walking through this the next few weeks and unpacking that. So what I want to do now is I want to wrap up in prayer. And we're going to move into a, a time of communion here. So would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this message. And I thank you for each person here within the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you will continue, Lord, uh, to sharpen the edge, if you will, of Long Grove Community Church. God, that, that we would be right on mission, right where we're supposed to be, and God, doing exactly what you called us to. So God, I pray that, that you would just see this body and that you would um, just smile and let, let, it, let it be known, Lord God, that you are pleased with us, your people. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, what you're stirring in our hearts, the hearts of your people. And God, I thank you, Lord, for this just picture that we've given, been given today. May we have, Lord, an urgency, a sense of urgency in our hearts, Lord God, this morning for the harvest that is, is waiting to be brought in. In Jesus' name, 